Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Tell you, after a week of Bible school, you know, you don't have much mercy left. You know? <laughs> Glad to see you here today and to be part of uh, worship service here at Greenfield Baptist Church and we Pray that the Lord's blessing will be with us, continue to be with us as we share together in God's Word. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to take the feeble words of uh, our spoken uh, thoughts and to transform them into your Spirit's desire for our hearts. We're thankful, Lord, for faithful people over many years of time who have proclaimed your Word and for your word itself that you brought to us through the power of God's Spirit here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Most people like to tell stories. In fact, it seems like that's a pastime for a lot of people to tell a story about something that's happened in their life, maybe recently, or maybe a, a lifetime story from a long time ago. The nice thing about telling stories is usually people won't correct you in your story because, after all, it's your story. I'm telling this story, you know. Let me tell it the way I want to tell it. And uh, that's true also when we tell our story about what Jesus has meant to us. We can tell that story to people. It usually doesn't, uh, uh, you know, upset them or whatever because it's your story and they're willing to listen to that story. The idea is for us to be able to tell the story in a way that makes some sense and at the right time and in the right place. So we have a story here about the Apostle Paul. Uh, He was started out as a man who was named Saul, Saul the persecutor of the church, and he transformed into a person who was called St. Paul, uh, the preacher of the church and the writer of much of our New Testament. So there are five parts, I think, as I've looked at it, of this uh, story about the transition of, uh, of Saul to Paul. And I want to look at those with you this morning. First, uh, as we look at these, remember that you can find yourself along this uh, storyline, too. You find yourself in one of these five stages, and it's not that one is bad or another is good necessarily, but that we're all in the process of becoming who God wants us to be on mission for him in this world. Now the first part, Paul is uh, called Saul, and Saul is on a mission of his own. He's out to destroy the church, and he's out to just to destroy anybody that has anything to do with the church. He wants to just erase uh, the memory of Jesus from the face of the earth. It was a message uh, that he thought was completely opposite to what the Old Testament had taught him and all of his uh, upbringing as a Pharisee for the Jewish people. And when you think about it, you know, Saul was uh, sincere. He he thought he was doing right. But in his case, sincerity uh, was uh, sincerely wrong uh, because he found himself in opposition to God. And when you're in opposition to God, you're in a bad place. And sometimes it takes dramatic intervention into our lives in order for us to get off on the right direction. And so that's what happened to Saul. Uh, He was going along the road on the way to Damascus, uh, taking on a mission that had uh, been commissioned by the high priests in Jerusalem. And so he thought he had God on his side, and he met the real God along the road. And he heard someone say, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, it's interesting that Jesus uses those words when he talks to to Saul. 
Why are you persecuting me, he said. And so when Saul was persecuting the church, when Saul was persecuting Christians, he was persecuting Jesus himself. And we know that Jesus identifies with his church because there's all kinds of scripture verses that back that out. For example, in John chapter 15, Jesus told his disciples that I abide in you and you abide in me. And so uh, we as Christians have Christ abiding within us and we abide with him. And so when we are persecuted, when we suffer, whether it's a physical disease or an injury or whether it's an emotional problem or whatever it might be, Jesus is suffering with us because he's right here within us. If if we've accepted Jesus as Lord, if we've allowed God's Spirit to indwell our life, then Jesus is living within us, and he suffers whenever we suffer. And we know that Jesus shares our troubles and our concerns, and it should help us to be able to uh, uh, get through those difficult times. And we also know that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord that care about us and help us in those times. Now, Saul heard the voice, and he heard Jesus say, uh, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But there were several people with him. We don't know how many other fellows might have been with Saul on that journey, several probably. Uh, they heard the voice, they heard something, but they didn't see anything. And that reminds us that, you know, many people will hear God's voice. Many people will see uh, the light like these guys did, but they won't be able to understand uh, what's happening to them. And that's uh, the challenge for us as Christians is, is to be able to help people to hear Jesus' voice and to see the light of Jesus' love, but to, uh, uh, to help them uh, understand what's happening to them. Uh, Paul says that sometimes whenever this happens, Paul wrote to, to the Romans, he says in verse 21 in chapter 1 of Romans, he says, uh, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their, foolish, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So that kind of summarizes what happened to these other people on the road to Damascus that day. That's what happened to the uh, chief priests and the scribes and the others who rejected Jesus' message, was uh, their 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 minds became darkened. Uh, they refused God's Spirit's invitation in their life, and because they refused it, their foolish hearts uh, just could not accept God's love and God's forgiveness in Jesus. And then next we see Paul was, uh, he was on his own mission there at the beginning, but then Paul confronted Jesus, or Jesus confronted Paul, I guess would be a better way to say it, on the road to Damascus, and God had uh, uh, a refocus. He had to refocus uh, Saul's mission. And that's the second step, that many times uh, we're out on our own, we're doing our own thing, we think we're doing, you know, as good as anybody else, I'm as good as the next guy down the road kind of thing, we're on a mission of our own, whatever that might be. But then God has to intervene in our life in some way or another, to refocus our attention on his mission for us. And so that's what happened to uh, Paul as he was going along the road. But several other things have to happen as, as we refocus on Jesus' mission for us. And that is we have to hear Jesus speak to us. 
Uh, this usually happens today through God's Word. We have the Scripture, and in the Scripture, God's Holy Spirit has inspired the writers of this Scripture a long time ago, and God's Holy Spirit continues to inspire us today as we open our hearts to read that Scripture and allow God's Spirit to speak to us through that Scripture. We can hear Jesus speak to us just as clearly through the Scriptures today as uh, Saul heard Jesus speak uh, to him on the road to Damascus that day. And then secondly, if we're going to refocus on Jesus' mission for us today, we have to respond to that mission. We have to be willing and able uh, to uh, hear Jesus say to us, I am Jesus. Uh, and that experience of who Jesus is in our life, for some of us it comes, comes immediately. It just dawns on us. We're, we're able to grasp it. Other people, it takes, uh, you know, Maybe a half a lifetime or a lifetime. I've known people who became Christians at 70 or 80 years old. The Lord had been working on, their on them for years, and uh, it took them a long time to really understand who Jesus was. I am Jesus, and they finally got it at, at some point in their life. Well, fortunately uh, for Paul, and fortunately for those of us who are Christians, we have responded to Jesus' call and have accepted who Jesus is uh, as he spoke to us. Because sometimes uh, the Bible says uh, God is a gentleman. You know, God's going to just, okay, you, you don't want me, you don't want to hear from me, then I'm just going to quit talking to you. In Genesis chapter 6, right at the beginning of the Bible, Jesus, or God says, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. In other words, God was saying there's a limit to my invitation to you. When I call out to you through God's Spirit, when I call out to you through the words of Scripture or through a, a friend's testimony or a teacher or a preacher or whatever it might be, uh, there's a limit to how many uh, times God's going to uh, bug you, so to speak. You know, someone has called uh, Jesus the hound of heaven. Uh, that's true to a certain extent. You know, he does hound after us. Uh, many times, and fortunately for many of us, it's good that he did continue to hound after us. But there comes a point when, when God says, my spirit will not contend, will not strive with man forever. So we have to be willing to accept uh, that invitation when it comes to us. So we see that uh, Paul was then refocused on a new direction for his life as he stumbled along blindly uh, into Damascus with those other men who heard the voice and saw the light but didn't know what happened. Uh, they took him to Damascus, and he stayed there for three days uh, fasting and in prayer to determine what that remission would be for him. And then thirdly, we see that Paul was commissioned by Ananias. Uh, Ananias was a disciple who was open to hear Jesus' voice, and Jesus spoke to him in a dream or a vision, and he said, I've got a mission for you, Ananias. And Ananias wasn't too sure he liked the mission. Uh, and in verses 10 through 19 that, that uh, Pastor Dan read to us, we see he was uh, uh, told by God what that new mission, uh, uh, what that commissioning should look like towards this fellow who used to be Saul, but now would be the Apostle Paul. And the first step in that commissioning of uh, Paul for ministry was to heal him of his blindness. Many of us, I think, need some healing, don't we? If we're going to really be 
focused, to be remissioned and commissioned by God to do his work at whatever location or place or time that God has for us, we have to be healed from uh, disorders of um, who knows what kinds and varieties they might be. Might be physical, might be emotional. We might have some, uh, uh, some uh, selfishness, some jealousy, hatred, envy, you, you name it, whatever it might be. We need healing from those things so then we can be commissioned to do God's work in the place where he calls us. We need other people to express that compassion and that commission to us. And that's what Ananias was, was called upon by God to do, to go express uh, God's love to Paul in the midst of his blindness and his uncertainty and his lostness to direct him into a new commission for his life. We need people to, to talk with us. We need people to visit with us. We need people to call us on the phone or text message or whatever your favorite thing might be. Uh, and Ananias was God's chosen person to do that for the Apostle Paul. He was in the right place at the right time. Uh, years ago, um, uh, James Kennedy uh, wrote a book called Evangelism Explosion. And uh, we took that training uh, my goodness, back in the 70s, I guess it was. And uh, there's a phrase in that that always sticks with me. Uh, he said that we have divine appointments. All of us as Christians, if we're Christians, we have divine appointments that God has for us each day. And our task is, is to determine what those divine appointments might be, to be open to what uh, appointment God might have for us. It might be a planned appointment. I might say to somebody, I'll meet you at noon at the, at the restaurant. That might be a a divine appointment uh, uh, set up ahead of time, but it might also and more likely be an uh, appointment that just happens upon us. Something that we have uh, an interaction with someone, uh, a chance to witness or to speak to someone, encourage them, uh, and that would be God's divine appointment for you. And it's exciting to be God's helper for someone who needs that kind of healing and that kind of encouragement and that kind of instruction. And Ananias had that divine appointment, literally in his sense, that he heard right from God uh, in that vision. And he went to that street in Damascus and found Saul and told him, you may be prepared today from something you hear or something you study in Sunday school, uh, whatever. You might be prepared for a divine appointment that you'll have later today or later this week. God may be preparing you over a period of days or weeks or months or years even for one appointment. We, didn't, we never hear from Ananias again, as far as I know, in Scripture. Uh, he had one divine appointment that was really great and wonderful. It changed the life of Paul and, uh, and indirectly then changed the life of all of us who are Christians since then because he kept his divine appointment. What divine appointment might God be having for you? Now, Ananias, as I said earlier, was at first unwilling to uh, help. He, uh, Saul had a bad reputation, to put it mildly. He'd uh, thrown a lot of Christians in prison and probably had uh, presided at more than just Stephen's death by stoning in Jerusalem. And so he had a bad reputation, and Ananias didn't want to have anything to do with him. Ananias wasn't being stubborn here. He was just being realistic. He was being honest with God. 
And there's nothing at all the matter with being honest with God. If you have doubts and fears and weaknesses in your life, take them right to the Lord. He's big enough. He can hear it. He wants to hear from you and say, say to him, I'm afraid. This is more than I can handle. I'm too weak for this assignment. Whatever comes to you, if it's an honest thought, then God's willing and able to hear it. If we see ourselves in that state, if we see our weaknesses, if we see our fears and, and so on, uh, then God can use us. If we think we can do it on our own, and unfortunately I've tried to do that many times myself, I thought, oh, I can handle this, you know. Well, that's the sure sign that <laughs> failure is going to be down the road pretty quick. So we want to uh, be honest with God and share with him our fears and our weaknesses so that he can then help us and strengthen us and help us to do that divine appointment that we have for his glory and not for our own. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, a, a verse that probably many of you know, I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. So Paul learned that, and you and I learned it, and Ananias was in the process of learning that I can do all things, even face the terrorist, uh, uh, terroristic guy, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, and uh, bring him healing in his life. Uh, personal testimony here. Some fellow called me on the phone one time. I'm driving to Florida. I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be a wonderful winter in Florida. And he says, well, I heard your name from someplace. It wasn't all good, but, you know, mostly good. <laughs> no. And he says, would you like to come be our interim pastor? And I thought, my, oh, my, I don't know. <laughs> I was scared to death, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> I was planning a nice, uh, relaxing winter in Florida, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was fearful that I couldn't handle it. I mean, you know. I hadn't done that uh, pastoring business for 20-some years. <laughs> I just had that cushy job called area minister. You know, you can just <laughs> do anything you want in that job. <laughs> so now he wants me to be a real pastor. <laughs> so I, I, was, uh, I was fearful, and I was sensing my weakness. But when, uh, when I prayed about that and talked to Dawn about it and talked to other people about it, they encouraged me and said, yeah, I think you can do that. You know, you won't be the best in the world, but, you know, you'll, you, you'll get by, you know. So <laughs> I've been getting by now for three months. No one's thrown me out. I haven't gone home, <laughs> haven't gone over to the parsonage and saw the stuff out on the streets yet. So, you know, <laughs> so I guess uh, we're, we're hanging in there. So, so if God can use uh, uh, a weak and fearful person like myself and if God can use an obscure person like Ananias to do his work, there's not anybody here that God can't use to do his work and to find that divine appointment he has for him. Then there's another stage to this uh, missioning process, and that's uh, what I'd like to call intermission. Uh, Paul had an intermission, and his intermission was a time when he had to learn and study and decide how is he going to go about the mission that God had for him in the future. And in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, there's a passage there that Paul tells the Galatians what happened during that intermission, that learning time. He says, um, well, let's see, let's find a verse. He says, but when God who set me apart from birth called me by his grace and was re pleased to reveal his son in me, 
that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I didn't consult with any other man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me, but I went immediately into Arabia. Arabia is the desert, of course, and later returned to Damascus after three years, and so on and so forth. So his learning experience was three, three years in the desert of Arabia. God informally taught him there. He'd had all the formal education that he needed. I mean, the guy could speak Hebrew and Greek and Latin and who knows what other things he could speak. He could write. He was very proficient. He was a Pharisee, highly educated by a fellow named Gamiel, whose name we heard a, a few uh, chapters ago in Acts. And so he had, he had the graduation certificate from the University of, uh, of uh, wherever it was. It was a Greek and Hebrew university, more or less. So that would be the equivalent for us today. He was formally educated, but much more importantly, he had that informal education for three years there in the desert with the Lord. And this intermission time was a time for him to receive direction from God, to learn the Old Testament scriptures, and to understand all that stuff that he had learned formally before in the Greek and the Hebrew, he now learned informally as the Holy Spirit spoke to him through those words of the Old Testament that he Probably a lot of the Pharisees actually literally memorized uh, most of the Old Testament. So even though he had it up here, it didn't sink down here. He really, really didn't know it. So he, he had to have those three years for that process to occur for him to be educated. And Ananias helped that along right here at the beginning. We see Ananias uh, gave him a specific task that he was going to do in uh, the passage that we read. <clears throat> he says... Uh, then Ananias went to the house, verse 17, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he uh, was healed. He could see again and he was baptized. Oh, okay, I, I skipped the part I really wanted to read. Up, he says, uh, Ananias uh, says, to Paul that you would be God's chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. That's verse 15. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So the specific mission was outlined by Ananias uh, so that he would know where he was going and what he was going to do for God and, and his mission. Each of us need to be struggling with that on a regular basis because it's not just a, a one-time mission. Paul uh, knew that he was going to speak to the Gentile kings. He knew he was going to teach the Gentiles about God's love and forgiveness. He was even going to be able to speak to his own countrymen in Israel. Um, but it wasn't all just completely laid out. He had some of the details, but not everything. And so it's an un unfolding mission that God has for us. And during that intermission time, he was trying to struggle through uh, to try to see what the, uh, the mission might involve. And so we need to make that a, a task. We don't have to go off to the desert and Arabia to do that, but as we have time to study God's Word and, and, uh, and uh, interact with God's people around us, we can continue to see the unfolding of God's uh, mission for us as we study. Then finally, we see that we have a 
I've lost a page. Would you believe I've lost one page of my, my notes? This is bad news. Oh, well, there it is. It was out of order. Yeah, I knew there was another stage in there, and I was going to get to the end here before it, before it was over. But this, this is the stage here. It, it's a new mission stage. The new mission was is that Paul began to preach right where he was. And I think this is important for us to see because Paul didn't, uh, as he spoke to Ananias, he was healed. Uh, what did he do? He immediately went out right there in Damascus and began to preach the gospel to the people there. And that's the where I think 90% of us are going to be. We're going to be right where God has already placed us. God doesn't send most people to Africa or to Haiti or some other place far away. God sends us right where we're at. So he sends us back to our family, back to our friends, back to our, the people that we work with, back to the school where we're attending. And he helps us to preach right where we're located, and he helps us to find our mission right where we are. He astonished those people who heard him. Uh, in verse 21, they said uh, uh, about him, he says, All those who heard Paul were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? So they were absolutely amazed. This guy that was a, a persecutor now became a proclaimer, a preacher of the gospel. And uh, they saw how bold he was in talking about Jesus and how he could really... Uh, it says in verse 22 and again verse 29, he was able to argue and convince people in an amazing way uh, from the Old Testament scriptures who Jesus was as the Christ and the Messiah. Well, it didn't take long that after uh, uh, several days of this bold speaking uh, that he ran into some opposition. In verse 23 and again verse 29, it talks about plots against his life. This guy right at the beginning, right out of the gates, he was was immediately attacked, and, and they were trying to kill him. But Christian friends helped him. First time they helped him by putting him in a basket and putting him over the wall of Damascus. And then another time they helped him escape uh, to back to his hometown of Tarsus, where he could uh, uh, speak again. And you and I uh, depend on Christian friends, don't we, to help us. To help us to know when to speak boldly and when to hold back and, and speak more gently. Uh, when to be blunt and outspoken, and when to be gentle and quiet in our witness for the Lord. But the result will be, if we're open to God's direction in our life, the result for us will be the same as it was for the church. In verse 31 it says, The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. That's the same three-step process that will happen if we're faithful like the Apostle Paul. Uh, Jesus' peace will flood our hearts when we encounter him, however it might be. It may not be on the road to Damascus with a bright light, but when Jesus encounters us and we respond, his peace will flood into our hearts. And that peace then will build strength, strengthen our faith to carry out the mission that God has for us, and that faith will build encouragement into our life, encouragement of the Holy Spirit who helps us to uh, have the boldness to speak out in the name of the Lord during those divine appointments that God has for us. 
I want to challenge you to be thinking about that this week. Ask the Lord to place his peace in your heart. Ask the Lord to build upon that peace uh, confidence and strength of faith so that you can uh, speak the word of the Lord to those around you. And then be faithful to God's mission as you understand it. Now, just in a summary here at the end, where are you on those steps? Are you out on your own mission yet, doing your own thing like Paul was? Are you being refocused on a mission by God? Has God caught a hold of you, and is he trying to refocus your life? Or are you ready now, after refocusing, are you ready to be commissioned to go forth and and share God's word, to be part of uh, next year's Bible school? Uh, We need some more commissioned helpers for Bible school and for all the other activities that we have. Or are you still at an intermission? Maybe you've taken some time to be in an intermission where you're busy learning so that you can find what task God has for you. Or have you found your new mission? And are you ready to go and see what God has for you? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul and his life and his example for us. And we know, Lord, our life won't pattern exactly after Paul's, but Even though we may not have the dramatic uh, encounters that he has, we still have divine appointments and encounters that you have for us to engage in. And we pray, Lord, that you'd give us an open heart and an open mind, and may your Spirit speak to us so that we can be on your mission with you. And Lord, if there's someone here today who's still out on their own mission, doing their own thing, we pray, Lord, that you would... uh, convince and convict them so that they would be refocused on your mission for their life, that they would accept Jesus and what he has done for them on the cross, his death for their sin, and his resurrection as a promise of their eternal life. We pray, Lord, that if those of us who are Christians need to take another step to be remissioned or commissioned or whatever it might be that God has for us, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to take that next step. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.